Well, welcome to church. How y'all feeling today? You alive? Come on. I hope you're excited to be in God's house today. Hey, I want to send my love. Can we all just send our love to our, our Lancaster location? Just our family there watching online. One church, we meet in two locations. If it's your first time, it's an honor to have you here with us today. We've actually been in a series of talks kind of around this idea of our minds. How many of you know that your mind matters? Come on, do you know your mind matters? You know what I find? We'll spend so much energy in our culture worried about our bodies, the way we look, our physical appearance, and oftentimes we neglect the health of our minds. Can I tell you something? If your mind's not healthy, none of you is healthy. We, we, we want to talk about the mind because, listen, your mind matters. It really does. You know what I found out about our minds? I have found that our minds are really, really deep wells. Like, like they're complex. There's nothing, I, I would argue, there's almost nothing more complex that God created than your mind. It, it is deep. It is the factory of your thoughts it's the factory of your feelings, your emotions, like really so much of who you are really originates from your mind. It, it is so deep. In fact, I've noticed something about how, how amazing we are as humans. The, the fact that we can create. Have you ever just gone to a movie and, and there was something about the way they told the story and it just touched you deeply or you cried like you saw the notebook and you couldn't help yourself but you just cried and... Have you ever noticed that as humans, uh, there's something that sets us apart from all the rest of God's creation? That there's something inside of all of us that has the power to create, to imagine, to, to create worlds, and then we bring them to life. To, to write beautiful things, poetry, to create art that moves you. There, there's something powerful about our minds. You know what that is? I believe it's because we're made in the image of a creator. Which means you're creative. Which means you have an amazing mind that has an ability to, to dream up things and then to run after and to create those things. It's so incredible what we can do with our minds. I, I, I know that when I was younger, maybe you, you'll think back to when you were a little kid, um, I had a very vivid imagination. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I could imagine worlds that did not exist. I played in worlds that I created in my own mind. I'm not talking about Minecraft. I'm not talking about those fake worlds you create. I know, I know, I know on your computer, but I'm, talk, I'm talking about like, did you ever imagine things? Did, did any of you have an imaginary friend? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. But you always had to leave a table, a seat at the table at dinner time. Nobody could sit there. You crush your imaginary friend. I don't know if you, you had an imaginary. What's amazing what we can do with our minds. How we imagine things. When I was a, a kid, I used to imagine myself as, as a ninja. Now, don't laugh. I could have been one if I wanted to be, okay? I just, just chose to be a preacher instead. But I used to imagine myself as a ninja. I would, I loved, I wanted to fight off bad guys. I don't know what's wrong with me. I had a very violent imagination. I, I, I could take out multiple bad guys. I, maybe it's because I grew up with Rambo. I asked my daughter yesterday, I was like, you want to go see a movie? I said, we should go see Rambo. She's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, I failed as a parent. How do you not know who John Rambo is? I've got to. I, I, I used to go to my, my grandparents' house, and they had this huge, this just big estate. It was, it was gorgeous, and it had this 
um, had these big columns and everything and I would play outside by myself for hours and I would climb on them and then I would jump off of them karate kicking bad guys in the head roundhouse to the air I would take people out I had to, didn't you have a vivid imagination or am I the only one come on let's be honest I know some of you maybe you maybe you didn't play cowboys and Indians that's completely inappropriate today we don't do that but 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 maybe some of you play dress up yeah ladies you had tea parties with stuffed animals seated at the table and you poured them tea. You have a, an imagination or maybe you created spaces in your Malibu mansion or I don't, I don't know what you did, but, but here's what I know is that we all start out with these amazing minds and vivid imaginations. We're, we're creators in our minds. We imagine amazing things. That's why you can give a little kid just a couple of little toy cars and he can play for hours and he makes noise and he crashes into them. It's because he's imagining a world that you and I can't see. Can I tell you something about these vivid imaginations? Because they're amazing when we're little. Kind of it's, it's the, the fun and the joy and everything we experience when we're little through our imaginations. But can I tell you something? That same vivid imagination can also become a trap in our minds when we get older. Right? Because here's what I do as I've gotten older and here's what you do. Is I imagine the worst. I imagine how it's all going to fall apart. The movie in my mind is telling me this is not going to end well. Think about it. This is what we talked about last week where anxiety lives. It lives in that space where I'm dreaming and I'm imagining and I'm painting pictures. Come on. I know we all do this. Where our minds just run wild. We begin to paint a canvas of, of something in our life that may not even be reality. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever had a friend or someone say a little comment that you kind of took like, oh, did you, was that a dig? Did you just, are you, and, and you kind of let it slip because you weren't really sure and you know them and you think, okay, it was just a joke. But then for the next three days, you just churned on it in your mind. And as you did, you kind of got more and more angry at them. And all of a sudden you started creating a brand new script with them not even in your world. You are painting a whole new picture. And you're thinking about the next time I see them, I'm going to give them a little piece of my mind. I'm going to tell them I can't. You know what I mean? It's amazing how our vivid imaginations when we're little is fun. But when we get older, it can become a trap where all of a sudden, like our minds run wild and we can get to a place. Listen to me, where our minds are out of control. I don't know if you've ever felt like your mind was out of control, like it was racing, that it was running. That it was all over the place. Sometimes our minds, I believe, can get to a place where they're out of control. Parents, let me, let me see if you, you would recognize this. It's kind of like, have you ever had your toddler get out of control? You ever have your two-year-old throw a temper tantrum? Have you ever had that moment as a parent? As a parent, it's awful where your kid just loses their mind on the floor, kicking and screaming, throwing stuff, hurting themselves. You don't know what to do. It's like they're completely out of control. Listen to me. Sometimes our minds go there. Out of control. Just go wild. Start dreaming. Things are going to happen. And doomsday, it's all falling apart. And then it's in this space where, listen, that we feel the weight of anxiety and worry and fear just runs our minds. And they have a tendency to just run crazy and out of control. What I want to talk to you about today is taking back control of your mind. I think we need to take back control of our minds. I don't know if you feel like your mind's ever taken over your body. 
I don't know if you feel like your mind is ever taken over, but I, I believe that we can take back control. You know, I had to learn this just a while ago. I actually went through a season in my life where I had to learn what it looks like for me to take back control of my mind. I did. I went through a season that this was a, a little while ago where, I'll be honest with you, I experienced a heavy version or heavy form of anxiety that I'd never experienced before. I went through a time, it took about a year or so. I went through a year. You probably didn't know. I've been really good at just kind of like, I, I, I'm going to show up and I'm going to I'm gonna preach on this. But there are moments where throughout my day, throughout my week, in this year or so time frame, where I, I experienced just incredible anxiety. I don't know if any of you have. Where it just came over me in many ways felt like it, it took over me to the point where, listen, anxiety can come, sometimes grab you so much that it can lead you to a place where it begins to manifest itself in your body physically. It began to take over. I was stuck in a situation that was, it was just, it was tearing me apart. It was on my mind when I woke up. It was something I was dealing with all day. And when I went to bed, I couldn't shut it off. You ever been that place where my mind was out of control? I remember it reached a fever pitch one Thursday morning. I was supposed to be preparing for a message. And, and I'm dealing with a situation. And anxiety came over me to a, a level I've never felt before. Like, like some of you maybe experienced this, but I had never until this point. And all of a sudden inside, because I was so overwhelmed, fear running wild, um, that, that inside of me, everything began to shake. All I can say is it's the closest thing, maybe of what I would describe as I had an anxiety attack. Or maybe some of you have had that. Some would say a panic attack. All I can say is inside, I felt like everything was shaking. I, I almost could not really catch my breath. All I could do is sit there with my head down like I was getting pale. I mean, it was starting to affect me physically. I don't know. I was, I was beginning to shake out, outward. Uh, my wife came into my office and she saw me and she looked at me. She literally said these words. She said, do I need to take you to the ER? I didn't know if I was having a nervous breakdown. I didn't know what was happening. But let me tell you something. I wasn't in control. My emotions had run so heavy. And from that moment on, I just, it was a fight and it was a struggle for me to take back control of my mind. Like I, I experienced other, other uh, situations. I, I don't know if you've ever um, experienced a, a moment with anxiety where you couldn't move. So I never understood that before. I don't know if God let me experience it. So as a pastor, I could know how to empathize with some of you that have gone through it. But I never understood that when someone said, I can't get out of bed. I just never registered with me. What do you mean you can't get out of bed? Put your legs over the edge of the bed and stand up. I can't get back. Until one time I was sitting in my car and fear had taken over so much. Anxiety had just gripped me that I literally could not get out of the car. It's like I was paralyzed. I mean, I wasn't physically paralyzed, but my mind was so paralyzed that I couldn't get out. And I just sat there for 15 minutes. I was supposed to go in. I couldn't even go into the place I was supposed to go in. I ended up driving home. I couldn't do it. I don't know what came over me. And all I know is that I went through a season, and some of you maybe are be, you're in a season like that. Maybe you've gone through something that's so traumatic, so painful, that you find yourself in a place where you feel anxious thoughts, worry all the time, fear is filling your mind, where I felt like I, I lost control. It was not me anymore in control. 
And let me just tell you, if you're in that place, I want to encourage you with something today because I stand here today as a testimony to say that I believe that with God's help and maybe with a little bit of counseling that you can take back control of your mind. Can I say that today? I stand here today saying that. It might take some counseling. I went through a lot of counseling. But I believe that with God's divine help, I was able to get to a place where my emotions and my thoughts could be healthy again. And, and here's the thing I know. A lot of times we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us should create all these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And one of those things is self-control. We often think self-control is like, okay, well, I've got patience there. And, and self-control is I'm not going to lose it on the road and road rage. with that. What if self-control is also to take back control of your mind? There's something that with God's help we can do. And I, I want to talk to you about today, that today. If you've got a Bible with you, a copy of, of God's Word, would you, would you get it out and open it up to Philippians chapter 4? I want to read to you a passage from a guy named Paul. He's a guy who wrote about two-thirds of our New Testament. And um, I believe this passage is one that many of you are familiar with. But I believe that actually God wants to shine a new light on it today. That, that God wants to help you. When it comes to taking, and listen, you might not be in a place like that today, but I will tell you that you're going to struggle with some thoughts. You're going to struggle and go through some seasons. And I pray that this message and this passage comes to life in you and you go, okay, this is what I'm going to do when I get in that place. I want to share with you three keys that God showed me in this passage, how to take back control of our minds. Philippians chapter four, are you there? Philippians four. All right. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, it says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. That's Paul's instruction. Verse 5. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. That might cause anxiety for some of you just hearing that. Oh, no. Verse 6. This is the verse that everybody knows in Philippians 4. This is what you... Some of you got a t-shirt with this on, or you got a mug, or, or, or a bumper sticker, or a little, a little inspirational poster in your house. Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. Okay, I started singing this. I heard a song. Paul should get writing credit for that song a little bit. Instead, he said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What a great passage. Come on, this is a good passage. This is one I know you're all familiar with, I'm familiar with. And uh, I like how Paul begins by giving us some instruction on, on the posture of our mind first. And, and he says... Um, Rejoice in the Lord. This is the NIV version because I got it memorized in NIV. I read it to you in New Living Translation because I liked how it said it. But, but it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And then he repeated it. He says, really, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. This is his instruction, his command. He's telling you to, to rejoice. Come on, be happy. Be excited. Celebrate something. And, and um, I think sometimes when, when you come to church... And you don't feel it. You, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe it was today you came to church. And I was like, oh, I'm dragging myself. I don't really feel it. You get worship leaders saying, come on, clap your hands. Come on, let's get up. 
Come on, let's see. You're kind of like, man, just come on. Can you just stop? Can you just chill out a little bit? How you tell me rejoice? I, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, it feels like uh, Paul doesn't know my situation. Some of you, 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 you would love to say to the preacher, you don't know my situation. I don't have anything to rejoice about. Paul, it might be great for you, but if you saw my life right now, you wouldn't be saying you ought to celebrate. You ought to rejoice. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul says to us. And you're like, come on, man, you don't know what I'm going through. I understand that. But if you knew the context for which Paul wrote these words, you might give him a little bit more credit. Because Paul writes these words sitting in a prison, chained to some prison guards, not for something he did that was against the law, but because of his faith in Christ, not knowing if he was going to lose his life or lose his head, which by the way he ended up doing. So if anybody knows about sitting in some situations that he has a reason to weary, worry or have anxiety about it, Paul does. This is Paul speaking with absolute credibility. And he looks at you and your situation that you have so much panic over. I get it. And he says, hold on, you ought to take a moment and rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you know what he didn't say? He didn't say rejoice in your situation. Sometimes that's what we hear. Oh, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm going through a divorce. Yeah, I'm not. that's not what Paul's saying. Bankruptcy, praise the Lord. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying rejoice in your situation. What did he say? He said rejoice in the... I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Listen, life maybe hasn't been good to you for this last month, but do you have enough in you that you could pause and reflect on the goodness of God and say, you know what? I am here because of God's grace. I might not be where I should be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm here today, and I've got a reason to give God praise. Do you have a reason to give God praise? Because I do. I got a wife that loves me and loves the Lord. I got a reason to give God praise today. I've got two daughters that love Jesus and love coming to church, and I don't have to drag them. I got a reason to praise God today. I'm not laying in a hospital bed hooked up to some tubes. I got two feet that I was able to show up at church today. Come on, if you've got a reason to praise God, why don't you stand up on your feet? Let's take five seconds, and let's thank God for the goodness that he's given, the grace if you have breath in your lungs. You got a reason to praise God today. Come on, give him a shout. And if you don't like that, then you need to open your eyes. I had food to eat this week. Did you? I had a bed to sleep in this week. Did you? Come on, I got air in my lungs. I can see with my eyes. I can clap with my hands. I walked in with my two feet today. I got a reason to praise God. God, you've been good to me, better than I deserve. Come on, that's what it looks like to rejoice. That's what it looks like. Go on, you can sit down. Because what I'm trying to show you, this is my first thought today. Is this, I want you to understand this, okay? You're going to take back my mind. How do I take back my mind? I'm going to take back my mind by giving God my praise. I'm going to take back my mind by giving God my praise. This is so critical. I, I'm trying to tell you how, how you take back your mind. Be because listen to me. My mind wants to go to the unknown future that I'm afraid of. If you are here last week, I said that's where anxiety lives. I don't know what's going to happen. 
I don't know if I'm going to make it into that school. I don't know if I'm going to graduate. I don't know if they're going to leave me. I don't know. And we're always focused on what's ahead that we're afraid of. What Paul's saying is before you start looking ahead, getting scared to death of what you don't know about, could you pause and look back? Sometimes we got to look back for a second. God, you are faithful to me through that situation. I didn't know how I was going to get through that one, but I'm standing here today. I didn't know how we were going to get through it, but I'm here today. Sometimes you got to look back before you can look forward. Amen. I'm going to look back. Okay, I got a reason. I got a reason to thank God. Can I tell you something? This is why gathering to worship matters. So many people think gathering and coming together as a church to worship, that's optional. I don't know. It's just if we're not busy, we'll try to make it today. I think every single one of you, I'm not talking about you because you showed up today. You're here today. You ought to give yourself a clapping. You ought to say, you know what? I came to this place to worship God. Listen, here's why worship matters is because you can't dwell on what you're anxious about and dwell on the goodness of God at the same time. Do you know that? You can't. That's why, I just want to say this, when you feel anxious, when you're overwhelmed by your situation, you know what most people do? They check out. I'm just weighed down, I just can't. I know you don't feel like it, but can I just say something to you? Listen to me right now. That's the time when you need to get to church the most. That's the time when you need to get to a gathering of people. That's the time when you need to get into an atmosphere where you can begin to praise God because that's the time when you need it the most. Can I just tell you something about church? Church is not just some religious thing that we do so we feel good about ourselves. It's not something we do so that God likes us. But when we gather and we worship, here's what it does. It actually brings you to a place of mental health. It's about, it's about turning things back right side up that have been flipped upside down all week long. That's what it's about. And oh, by the way, if you come in and, and you just and you're in a place where you just feel defeated and you don't feel like worshiping, can I give you just one little suggestion? Here's my suggestion: come sit down in the front. Come sit in the front. People in the front get it. I don't like to, Pastor. It's so loud down there. Can I just tell you something? You might need it loud that day. Because the voice inside your mind is really loud because all of that worry is screaming at you Maybe what you need to do is get a little front up to the speakers So it is so loud that you can't think about what's inside But you're gonna think about lifting up the name of Jesus and worship and praise to him Well, I just don't feel like it. I know that's when you need it the most So listen to me the next time Worry begins to rise up in you. Here's your options. You say I can worry or I can worship let me tell you something. You can't do both at the same time. I can worry or I can worship. Next time you start feel panicked hey, at home, get out your Spotify playlist. Get out your Apple Music. Put on some of the songs that we do here. I can worry or I can worship. I know in your drive to work, you like to, I know you like to listen to Post Malone. I know that. But listen, maybe it's time for you just to flip over so you can get a little bit of praise going because something's going to change in your mind. Listen, if I'm going to take back control of my mind, here's what Paul said. It begins with praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I said rejoice. Let me give you the second one. The second one is this. If I'm going to take back my mind, I'm going to do it by an exchange in prayer. I'm going to take back my mind by an exchange. And let me unfold this for you because Paul said something that I know we've heard so much. It's been quoted so often. Philippians 4, 6. It's the key verse. 
I know he said this. He said, don't worry about anything. I like this translation because I like how it says, you know, in NIV it says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what are we to do? Everybody say it out loud. We are to pray about everything. Don't worry. Just don't worry. Isn't that a lot harder to live than it is to receive? It, it, it almost feels insensitive when somebody tells you, stop worrying. You ever been freaking out about your situation and then you, you tell someone, a friend, and like, ah, shoot, man, just stop worrying about it. It's all going to be good. You want to punch that person in the face. It's like, you aren't in my shoes. You don't know my pain. It almost feels like that if, if you don't understand. It almost kind of feels like Paul is just like, man, come on. I know you're going through it, and I know your family member may not survive, but don't worry. Just chill out, man. Just put on a little reggae music. Come on, just relax. Just don't worry. Uh, it's, it's frustrating sometimes to hear that. I, th I think back to, w to when my, my kids were real little and um, you ever have when your kids don't get their way and they start crying um, uncontrollably. Have your kids ever cried uncontrollably, parents? Come on, I'm not the only one. All the real good parents, maybe your kids never have, but... <laughs> but your kids ever cry, like I'm saying they're not hurt. I I'm just saying they don't like the fact they don't get their way. You know what I'm talking about? And it's real and tears flowing and they're crying. Have you ever looked at your kids when you knew they weren't actually hurt and just looked at them and you say, stop crying. I said that to them. Stop, stop it. Stop your tears. Stop crying. And you know, they work themselves up so much that they can't, that they're just going, they're, they're hyperventilating. I can't, I can't. I'm trying to stop crying. I can't. You ever have your kids do that? Sometimes that's what it feels like when I read this. It feels like Paul's looking at you and saying, hey, listen, stop worrying about your eviction notice. Uh, what, what, you stop worrying? Stop worrying about that situation at work. They might fire me, but stop worrying. That's what it feels like. And it almost kind of feels like I'm supposed to pretend. Like, like, like okay, or the Bible says don't worry. So I'm going to try really hard. No worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just be happy. Don't worry. Here's a little song I wrote. My you know what I mean? Like you can just start busting in a song. Like I'm not going to worry at all. I'm just not going to worry. But I don't think that's actually what Paul's saying. The natural reaction in us is to worry. I get that. If my kid gets rushed to the hospital, I'm worrying. I get that. I don't think Paul's saying, don't worry, don't worry. Something's messed up with you if you worry. What I think Paul is trying to say is don't, don't just carry the worry and not do something about it. Don't just hold on to it because that's really, really heavy. It's really heavy. Let me give you an illustration. Pastor Kevin, can you tell me the water bottle or maybe carry it up here because I don't want to draw. Okay. So listen, it'd be like if I, if I gave you this, this bottle of water, and I said, I want you to hold it out like this for a minute. How many of you could do that? Raise your hand if you could do that. How many of you strong? How many of you could do it for one minute? Come on, I'm going to bring someone up. We're going to try you. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that. But, but I could hold this bottle like this for a minute. I could do that. That's fine. That's not a big deal. I'll do it right now. That's not a big deal. I could do it, right? But what if I said... I want you to hold this bottle for an hour. Now how many of you could do it? Raise your hand if you could hold it out like this. Oh, I see. okay, a couple of real brave people. Y'all want to come up here? We'll just leave you up until our next experience. <laughs> or I could say, 
How about if I told you I want you to hold this bottle for the rest of today? How many of you know your arm would get so numb? How many of you know you wouldn't be able to move anymore? How many of you know there's no way you probably could hold this bottle out like this for the entire day? Can I tell you that worry is kind of like that? Can I tell you that worry is something that's like, oh, for a second, okay, I can carry this. But then when you hold on to it all day long, worry starts to get so entire, entirely heavy that it weighs you down. What Paul is trying to say is, don't just walk around carrying the worry with you all the time. There's something better that you can do. I love how Peter says it in 1 Peter 5, 7. Stick that verse up, would you guys? 1 Peter 5, 7 says to do what with it? Everybody help me with the first word. We are to give. Come on, say it again. Give all your worries. Give all your worries and your cares to God because he cares about you. I think what, what Paul is trying to say, he's not saying just don't worry, stop worrying. He's saying instead of holding on to the worry, the weight, he said instead what you need to do is you need to release that worry to God in prayer. I can't hold this by myself, God. I need you to carry it. I got to release it in prayer. That's what happens in prayer. So often we're confused about prayer. We think prayer is me asking God to do a miracle. It might be. I think, well, I'm praying so that God would fix my situation. I know I get that. I pray those too. But if that's your view of prayer, can I say you're missing what Paul, the truth he wants you to understand? Listen, prayer is not just about, uh, God, I need you to do something for me. But prayer is an exchange. Prayer is an exchange. That when you come into the presence of God and you say, God, this is weighing me down. I don't know that I can make it through another day. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And so, God, I need to give it to you. i got to cast it on you. That when you do that, listen to me, there's an exchange that happens in the presence of God. That God gives you something in replace of it. Well, I can't carry this. I know you weren't intended to carry it by yourself. It's kind of like this. Have you ever... Have you ever just been weighed down and you asked somebody, or maybe you came to church, and we have people that are here to pray with you every single week. We want to do that with you. You ask the pastor, you ask someone to pray on the prayer team. Hey, would you pray with me? I'm really going through something, and people surrounded you. They laid hands on you, and they prayed for you, and something happened while they were praying for you. I know your situation didn't change, but all of a sudden, you walked out of here going, I feel better. There's an exchange that happens in prayer. And Paul told us what that exchange was in verse 7. It was easy to miss. Let me read it to you. Here's what he said in verse 7. He said this, then, that's the exchange, you will experience God's what? Everybody say it, God's, that's what we want when we're worried. Then you'll experience God's peace, listen, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will do what? It's going to guard, remember we're in a battle? That's a battle term. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There's something that God wants to give you in an exchange in prayer. So what I'm saying to you today is you go, I prayed about my situation. I understand that. But that's not the whole point of prayer. If you're still worried, you need to continue to engage in prayer with God. You say, God, I can't carry this. Every day when you wake up, you might need to stop and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I can't carry this anymore. I need supernatural peace right now. I need something to guard my mind because my mind has a way, a vivid imagination of picturing the worst, of going to the place where I, it's all falling apart. And so, God, I need your peace today. And I'm telling you, God wants to give you that in exchange with prayer. 
If I'm going to take back my mind, I need a rhythm of prayer in my life. Not just when I'm a mess, but I need constant rhythm of prayer. God, I need your peace to protect me. So if I'm going to take back my mind, it's going to be, I'm going to give God my praise. It's an exchange in prayer. And one final thing we found in verse 8, and I didn't read this to you yet. But Philippians 4.8. This one is a little bit harder, but it is so incredibly powerful. Paul said this, and now. Dear brothers and sisters, I got one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I tell you that this might be the hardest part of all? This might be, listen, I, I, can, I can gather on my own. And I can give God praise. I'll sing a song. That's good. I can do that. And I can pray because I know I need God's help and I can do that. But then Paul says, now here's one final thing. I know, I know you want to do that. What does it look like for you to fix your thoughts? One version says on things above. What, what does it look like? Because here's what you need to know about your mind. Your mind is always processing. You know that? Your mind is always running. That's why it's sometimes really hard to go to sleep. Your mind is always, it's calculating. It's figuring out, okay, if this, if I do this, then this can happen. I can get out of this situation. Your mind is always churning. Your mind is always working. It's always processing. And I think what Paul's saying, here's my third thought. I think Paul is saying this. If I'm going to take back my mind, I've got to do it by fixing my processor. My processor. Your mind is a processor. Do you know how processors work? I'm talking about processors and computers or your phones. Do you know how they work? Do you know that your mind is a CPU? Do you know what a CPU is? And listen, now before I was a preacher, I worked in information technology. Can I geek out on you for a second? I was good enough. I could have worked at Geek Squad, okay? I know. I could fix your computer. I'm not going to. Don't call me. But your mind is a CPU. That's a central processing unit. That's what it stands for. It's the processor in your computer. It's the processor in your phone. It's the processor that enables all the action to happen. Your mind is your CPU. And I remember back in the 90s when, when computers, uh, maybe you remember this, some of you that are old enough, you're, I mean, experienced enough with me, uh, to remember that, that they would try to sell you, um, um, this is when Microsoft Windows really took off. And I remember the way they would try to sell you on these computers is they would have these processors that said that they were multitasking, multi-threaded processors. Now, I know the geeks are getting real excited. Finally, they're about to stand up and praise God. Now I got, I'm excited. You preach it, Pastor. I, now you're talking my language. But, but they would have these processors. By the way, here's the way it would work. They would sell you that you can, you can download a file and send an email and listen to music all at the same time. And I know some of you are like, I do that all the time on my phone. I know, but this was a big deal back then. And they came out with these processors that they said could do it all at once. Now, here's the thing. People were tricked. They didn't realize how processors work. Here's how a processor works. I know you don't want to know this. I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me. They're like, I'm getting really bored, but you'll stay with me, okay? The way a processor works is this. It, it, it does one operation, and then it does another one, 
and then it does another one. Now listen, and so where people think that it's going all the time and it's doing all these things at once, it's actually not. A processor can only do one process at a time. It just does them really fast. So it does a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one and a little bit of that one, a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one, a little bit of that one. And so when you think your computer is like everything's happening at once and oh, it's downloading. So I'm going to go do this. And the little status bar is going along. You're like, oh, it must be downloading, but I'm over here doing this. Do you know that it's actually going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You didn't even know that. That's why it was called Windows. Because you could have all these open things at once, but what people didn't know is you can only actually do one of them at a time. Can I tell you what Paul is trying to help us understand? Your mind is a processor. In other words, you can only fix your mind on one thing at a time. And so a lot of us think, well, I, I'm just, I'm carrying it all the time. And I'm wearing this all the time. And it's heavy all the time. I get all that. But listen, this is where you're going to take back control of your mind. And you're going to learn. I've got to learn how to fix my thoughts on things that are right and things that are true. Not on what I'm dreaming about. Not on what I'm freaking out about. But I'm going to learn how to do that. It's kind of like, like the iPhone. I got an iPhone. And um, um, some of you all have uh, a smartphone. And do you know how, like on an iPhone, you can swipe up and it's got all these apps? Can you see that? I don't know, you probably can't see it from here. But it's got, I've got all these apps up, okay? But only one of them is actually running in the foreground. Now, I don't know how it works on your Android. Okay, I don't know. I know it works really well on an iPhone. But I also know all of you with your Android are a lot smarter than us because it costs you a lot less. But what I'm saying is, I might have all these apps open, but only one of them gets my attention at a time. And what Paul is saying, you got all kinds of things in your life, in your mind coming at you. You got all these things to freak out about. I get all that. But can I tell you, you need to make sure that you've got an app open in your mind that's getting your attention. Maybe it's the word of God. Maybe it's praise. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's getting in a community. Maybe it's studying God's word. But you need to make sure you're fixing your thoughts. I'm going to fix my thoughts on what's true, what's right, what's honest, what's admirable, what's lovely. If there's anything of, of great praise and praise report, I'm going to think about that. And it is, it is something we have to determine to do. I'm going to think about this. So every day throughout your day when you're freaking out, you're going to say, hold on, hold on. I got to stop. I'm going to think about how good God is to me. Amen. I'm going to think about how good God is to me. I'm going to think about, I've got something to praise God for today. I know I feel like I'm freaked out. I'm not sure how this job's going to go, but I know that God is at work in all of my situations. He's going to work them out for the good. And so I'm going to learn to fix my thoughts on things that are above. Amen, church. Come on. You receive this word today.